begin with a question. Have you ever been in a really dark place? A place so dark that you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. Like a very dark place. And, you know, being in such darkness can be a very frightening thing. And I read about this guy I'm going to share it with you. Back in May 2013, 29-year-old Harrison Okinney was living a genuine nightmare because he was floating in freezing seawater in absolute darkness, but not on top of the sea. He was trapped some 30 meters underwater on the Atlantic floor, some 30 kilometers off the coast of Nigeria. What had happened was is that he had survived the sinking of the Jason 4 tugboat that he was on. He was working on the tugboat as a cook. He'd survived the capsizing of the tugboat, and he was now surviving in an air cavity inside the tugboat that's resting on the seafloor, and he'd been there for over two days. Now, I'm a, I'm, I like the water. I love to look at the water. And I like to be in the water where I can touch. But man, you get me out past that and I'm afraid. So like when I think of this, like what he's, whoa, man. So over two days, he's underwater in a little air cavity in complete darkness. And he describes the ordeal for us. He says, I was there in the water in total darkness just thinking it's the end. I kept thinking the water was going to fill up the room, but it did not. Now he could hear all kinds of, there was all kinds of noise, and he could hear creatures, he was assuming fish that were swimming around, and it sounded like they were eating things, like his fellow sailors. And he describes, all around me was just black and noisy, I was crying, I would be crying too, (laughs) and I was calling on Jesus to rescue me. He said, I prayed so hard, I was so hungry and thirsty and cold, and I was just praying to see any sort of light as he was in the darkness. Now, he was pretty sure he was going to die. He had no food, no water. The only thing that he had had to drink for those two days is that a bottle of Coke like bobbed next to him, and he found that, and he drank that. His air supply was rapidly depleting, and if you think about Think about being in such a situation. Think about the desperation in such circumstances, the despair, really, of being in utter darkness. The anxiety, the fear, the confusion, and no sense that this is going to end well, that it's going to end badly. But suddenly, unexpectedly, above all the noise that he heard, he heard the sound of hammering. A hammering noise. Then he finally saw what he was desperately praying for and longing for. In the darkness, he saw light. And it was the light of a diver's torch. A South African diving team, they'd been sent in to recover the bodies of the crew. And the recovery diver was just as surprised to see Harrison alive as Harrison was to see him. And there was a great rejoicing when they were able to get him to the surface. The light that he saw was accompanied by rescue. This rescue that he had longingly prayed for. It had finally arrived. 
He said he had never been so happy <laughs> to see that light as he saw on that day. This light piercing into the darkness. This light culminating in rescue. Well, here in John chapter 8, we have some very familiar words of Jesus that I'm sure most of you are familiar with. Where Jesus makes this statement in verse 12. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now John records for us several of Jesus' I am statements in which Jesus, he compares himself to average, ordinary, everyday things many times. Bread, a door, and here, light. He uses these familiar, common things as illustrations to describe himself, who very uncommon and very unique person that he is. He says that he is the light of the world. And so I'm just going to, okay, he says light. What, is that, what does that tell us about Jesus? What is he, what is he trying to um, describe about himself? Well, when we think about light, when we think about just some, some basic things about light, when we think about natural light, well, natural light's visible. We can see it. It's seen. It's not hidden. It's there. Natural light as well, it illuminates. Otherwise, we'd be trapped in a world much like Harrison was, in utter dark blackness, complete darkness. So light illuminates. And as it's illuminating, it exposes everything around it and reveals to us the world around us. Light enables us to see the, the vast spectrum of colors so that we can see the beauty of things and in, in, in the vibrancy of their colors. And also, too, light is it's necessary for life. We have to have it. Sunlight is necessary for photosynthesis to take place, for plant life to grow. We need light for a healthy body. That's why we've had such a good summer, right? We feel good because we've seen the light this summer. I have a condition where if I don't have light for too long, I really feel it. So I've, I've loved this summer greatly because I feel good. Yeah, We need that vitamin D. Yeah, So it gives warmth as well. If we didn't have sunlight, of course all the plants and animals and plant life on this planet wouldn't survive because we need the, the light and the heat of the sun's rays. And so we understand that about light in the natural world, these different things that, that light is it's ever so useful for, so important that we have. And light as well, it's, it's used and applied in, in, in various different ways in the Scriptures. And it's used in the Scriptures to describe God and His character. And I'm going to throw up a few verses here on the screen. Just, just looking at, okay, how is light used to talk about God and his character. Well, 1 Timothy 6.16 talks about God. It says, God who alone has immortality, 
who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Speaking of the holiness of God, the purity of God, in 1 John 1.5 it says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, perfectly holy and pure. In him is no darkness at all. And so the scriptures use the, the word light to convey God's holiness, his purity. Also describes the uncompromising nature of his holiness. 2 Corinthians 6.14. It says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? And we know that from natural light. What fellowship does light and darkness have? They don't have any. <laughs> we walk into a room that's dark and we turn on the switch or we twist it or whatever we do, and boom, the light comes on and the darkness goes. There is no fellowship. Light's also used as a, as a synonym in the Scriptures for life. In Psalm 36, verse 9, it says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. So speaking of the life that's inherent in God and that He desires to share with us as His creation. The Scriptures also use the word light to describe the good, goodness and... Is that there on the screen? No. Is it there now? Goodness? Hey, goodness. All right. So God's goodness, righteousness, truth. And, and speaking of goodness and righteousness of truth in general, Ephesians 5.9, For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So light describing righteousness, goodness, truth. And then also describing the exposing nature of truth, that truth exposes, just like natural light exposes. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Light as well is used to describe God's directing ability, how He can direct. Job 29.3, by His light I walked through darkness. And of course, Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So directing ability, God's directing ability. So light used in several different ways in the Scripture, and those are just a few. And you know, the Jews, they also, they associated light with the coming of the Messiah. Isaiah 9-2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has, show, has light shone. So, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. We understand different things about what he's saying from the natural. Light's visible, it illuminates, it you know, exposes. And then we understand from the scriptures that it, it speaks of 
purity and holiness, truth, righteousness, a synonym for life. Yeah. And so all these character, characteristics, as we, as we bring these together, they all really apply to what Jesus is saying as he declares himself to be the light of the world. In, his, in declaring that he's the light of the world, Jesus was making himself visible to the world. Visible to the world that the Savior had come. That the Messiah was there. That the Jews had waited for for so long. That the Messiah that Isaiah had said would come was now present. That Jesus, light of the world, the rescuer, the Savior, had finally come to save his people from darkness. That God had come in the form of a man there, revealing himself and making himself visible to those who had the promise of his coming. Those who had been living in spiritual darkness and many longing for the coming of the Messiah. He reveals himself. And he continues to reveal himself to people who are living in spiritual darkness. Darkness that is far worse than the darkness that Harrison experienced as he was trapped there on the ocean floor. Jesus, the light of the world, as he calls himself the light of the world, he's also declaring his ability to rescue because he's the Savior. That he's able to bring people out of their spiritual darkness into the light. That he indeed is the Savior. And as he declared himself to be the light of the world, he's making himself visible and he's also declaring himself to have the very character of God. Because he is God. Think about those people that were around when Jesus declared himself to be the light of the world. They were in the very presence of perfect holiness and purity, righteousness, truth, goodness embodied in the human person of Jesus. Jesus clothed in perfect humanity. Jesus was and is the very essence of holiness. Absolute perfection. Every word, every action, every deed tempered by the fact that he is perfect, that he is God, that he is the truth, that he is good, that he is right, always. Now, there's lots of people that think that they're right always, <clears throat> but they're wrong all the time. But Jesus, always right, never wrong. Absolute perfection. And his character, his character exuding perfect, absolute goodness in every way. John records for us earlier in this gospel. You can turn there if you want to, or it'll be up there on the screen. John 1, uh, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. That when people encountered Jesus, they encountered 
grace and truth in physical form. Wow. Graciousness, abundant. Truth, right there. All coming from Jesus. And just like light doesn't compromise with darkness, Jesus as the light of the world, His character, never compromised with sin, darkness, of any form. Couldn't do it, wouldn't do it. In His presence as the light of the world, darkness had to flee. We saw that with the temptation. Satan had to go. Because he was trying to fool the light of the world. Couldn't be done. And just prior to this, Jesus, he was put in a situation where certain Jews had brought a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. And she was brought before him. And they had brought her for one reason and one reason only, and that was to try to trap Jesus in his action and in his words. They came with sinful intents in their heart. But of course, Jesus, he knew their hearts. He understood why they were there. And so he responded to them, and he said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And they knew in their hearts that they were not without sin. And so, one by one, they left. They left. The light of the world had exposed the darkness of their sin, of their evil intent, what was in their hearts. And the darkness, it had to go. Because these men, they were confronted with their own darkness. They dropped their stones and walked away. The light of the world had exposed the darkness of their hearts and they had to flee. Because the light of the world, he never compromises with darkness. Ever. Now our world, presently, this very day, it's floundering in spiritual darkness. It's a dark place. People are splashing around, floundering in the waters. They're groping. They're looking for truth. They're looking for goodness. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for meaning in life. I've had opportunity to be here in Norwich for the last two days. Walking the streets, seeing a lot. Been here before. But you know, there's so many people that are trapped in darkness, aren't there? Right here in Norwich, spiritual blindness, drug addiction, alcohol abuse, you name it. It's all here. It's all here. They're floundering around. They're trying in some way to find things, truth, goodness, life, purpose, in things that will never, ever give it to them, ever. You know, the longer I live, the more convinced I am that everyone is longing for heaven. Even myself. <laughs> longing for heaven. And sometimes I get duped into thinking, even as a believer, that I can create a little bit of heaven here. 
oh, if I just had this and I had that, and then, you know, all would be good. This is not heaven. It's not. And I'm glad it's not. Yeah. But everyone's looking for heaven. And so many people wrongfully trying to have it here and now. It's not here and now. It's coming. And thankfully, in Christ, we have it. But so many out there, floundering in the darkness, splashing around. But you know, Jesus, Jesus declares what he said then is still just as valid today, that he's the light of the world. He still is. That all of the truth, the goodness, the purpose, the meaning, heaven itself, all those things that people really want, they're all found in Him. He's the light of the world. He still is. Truth is found in Him. Absolute goodness found in Him still today. Heaven only accessed through Him. We know this, right? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Except through me. He is that light. He's that access to heaven. He still beckons people to come. God's original intent and purpose for all people is still ultimately found in Jesus. True meaning for life. Abundant life itself, only found in Him. The light of the world who clearly revealed Himself in the midst of the darkness. He still is revealing Himself and still wants to reveal Himself to those who are in great darkness. You know, I remember when I came to Christ how tremendous it was. My eyes were finally opened. Remember the day after I accepted Jesus, because I accepted Jesus at night, going outside, and I lived on the central coast of California, and I saw clouds. I saw clouds all the time. But this was a new day. And I just remember seeing the cloud. Clouds! Whoa! God, you made clouds! Those are amazing! And life was just awesome because God was with me and my eyes were opened to even the simplicity of the fact that he created clouds and they're an amazing thing in themselves. And so we've experienced, if we're in Christ, we've experienced how he gives us newness of vision in life and he gives us direction. Yeah. He gives us purpose. I was very purposeless outside of Christ. When I finally met him, oh, purpose. Someone to live for. And it has purpose and meaning. Jesus says here, in verse 12, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. As we follow Jesus, as we walk with Him, He describes it as a walk. As we walk with our Savior, walking with Him, walking with Him in line with His Word and seeking to be directed by His Spirit, 
We're provided with direction and purpose and hope and truth and rescue, which will culminate in either the rapture or however else we get to heaven if we pass away before that. And we won't walk in darkness, in the darkness of sin or error or untruth. We may slip or we may falter at times, but that's not going to be the norm of our lives. Walking with Him in the light. That will be the norm. That should be the norm of walking with Jesus. Being in the light. Being directed by Him in the truth, in His direction. Growing in our relationship with Him. Growing in, in, in purity and holiness. Growing in, in yielding to the Spirit and allowing Him to live His life through our lives. You know the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, oh, that's all Him. I can't take any credit of any of that coming through my life. But Him, as the light of the world, by His Spirit, revealing His light through my life and through yours. That's what He desires to do in and through our lives as we walk with Him. In this life, the fruit of the Spirit being displayed in our lives. These little rays of, of, of God's light illuminating from us, from our lives, into this dark and desperate world. We've been given the great privilege to walk with God, the light of the world, in living relationship with Him. To walk with the light of the world. To walk with Him. To know Him. To have fellowship with Him. 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. We have fellowship with one another, brothers and sisters, as we walk in the light together, His light. But not only that, but we have fellowship with Jesus, the light of the world. Fellowship with Him. What a privilege we have. And His blood cleansing us from all sin. Cleansing us from sin. And so as we walk with Him, the light of the world, we're able to experience the light of life. <laughs> Abundant, meaningful, purposeful life here and now, which leads into eternal abundant life purposeful and meaningful in His very presence. Outside of Christ, man is blind. Blinded by the darkness. The darkness of their sin and the schemes and the, the forces of darkness that are seeking to destroy. People's life's purposes are bent and twisted, distorted by their fallen nature. They're floundering in the darkness. But as I described before, as we have embraced the light of the world, our eyes are open to the truth. All is made clear. Life becomes full of true purpose and meaning, an ever clearer perspective. And He rescues in the way that only He can. As I walked around Norwich, I saw a lot of people 
that reminded me of myself. I was a hippie type, I guess. And I have to remind myself. Because do you guys ever come to a place where you look at people and you think, no way. They could never embrace Jesus. And sometimes my, that creeps into my heart. But I have to remind myself, well, if the light of the world saved me, can he not save them? Yes, he can. And he still desires to do so. To reveal himself to those that are trapped in all sorts of darkness. He still rescues today as he's always done. He desires to. The light of the world. He came. I know we know this, but it's good for us to be reminded. The light of the world came. He stepped into our darkness, our fallen world, our innumerable sins. The light of the world. He gave Himself in all His purity, His goodness, His perfection. He gave Himself to be nailed on that cross. And there on the cross, He took upon Himself all of our sin, all of your darkness, all of my darkness, giving Himself His perfection, His lifeblood as a payment for our sins and as a payment that's good enough to save the people on the streets of Norwich. Their sins. Good enough for them too. There on the cross, He defeated the powers of darkness because He's the light of the world. And He did all of that so that we could come to the light. So that we could be set free from our personal darkness, our sin. And the powers of darkness that desire our destruction. So that we'd be set free from the darkness. The darkness that's far more terrifying, than, once again, than what Harrison was experiencing. Because he was down there for two days. And that would, I probably would have died of a heart attack before it was over. But think about the darkness of eternity and the anxiety and the fear, the anguish, the pain, all of it that does not end. The darkness that Jesus came to set us free from. The darkness that so many are trapped in. But the light of the world came to set them free and to set us free. To be cleansed, to be forgiven, to have abundant, eternal life in Him. Relationship with God, now and for eternity. Tremendous. Not only was He able to save us from our darkness, He amazingly has made us saints in the light. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. 
giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transformed us or transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. When I think about my life before Christ, darkness, and I shared that darkness with others. There's some tragic things about my life that I regret deeply because I led others into darkness. But God in His transforming and gracious, loving ability can take that which is dark and which is influencing others in darkness and make it light. Introducing others to the light of the world. Isn't that amazing? Saints in the light, taking the darkness and making it light. People who were once steeped in darkness, walking in darkness, destined for eternal darkness, and He takes us and He makes us saints in the light. Only God can do that. And He does it with ease. Because He's God. How awesome and gracious He is. Well, Jesus here, He's declared to us that He's the light of the world. In Matthew's Gospel, He says something a little bit different. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Speaking to you, His disciples, You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus, who declared Himself to be the light of the world, also states that in Him, that He's able to take that which was darkness and make us the light of the world. The light of the world. That He's able to take you and I, our lives, and illuminate His life through our lives to the dark world around us. Now there's an illustration that's often used in regards to this. We know that the moon has no natural energy in itself. That it's a big rock. And we paid a lot of money, the Americans did, to go get some rocks and bring them back. Okay. A big gray thing. But we also know that when the sun... When its light hits the moon and it reflects off the moon, oh, it illuminates. It looks like the sun has, the sun, that the moon has light in itself. But it's acting as a mere reflector of the sun's rays. Well, it's often been described in this way, that as we point our lives towards the sun, towards Jesus, we're able to reflect His light to the world around us. 
that we would be reflectors of His truth, of His goodness, of His purity, of His graciousness, of His love. All to the darkness around us. But that illustration only goes so far. Because yeah, we, we are like, we're like that in that we can reflect Jesus as our lives are consumed with Him and walking with Him. But you know what? We're superior to that. We're superior to that because we have been born again. We are indwelt with His Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us. And so as He dwells within us, we have opportunity to allow God's light to shine from the inside out as we're directed and empowered by the Spirit. His love and His grace, His truth, His compassion, radiating out, radiating out from our lives. Jesus, the light of the world, has been so gracious in redeeming us, pulling us out of our darkness and making us saints in the light. And God has purposed. He's purposed that not only would we be saved from our darkness for our own benefit, because that's a big benefit, but that we would also be used as lights that are pointing others that are currently trapped in darkness, that we would be lights that are used to point them to the true light of the world to point them to Jesus so that they too can experience being rescued, being set free, becoming children of light like we've become children of light. You know, you guys, that's a very American phrase, but I still have it. You guys, that means all people. (laughs) How that works, I don't know, but anyway. You have been placed in all different spheres of life. You have different jobs. You go to different schools, colleges, universities. You have different families. You live in different neighborhoods. You probably live in different cities. You're scattered about. And God has not done this purposeless. He's scattered us all about. So that we can be like lighthouses wherever we are. That we would be lighthouses that are using our lives, letting God use our lives to shine His light into the darkness around us. You know, you encounter people that I will never encounter in my life ever. But you're going to encounter them. And God gives you opportunity to be that light, to be that witness. You know, many Christians, myself included at times, we keep our light hidden. It's a weird thing. (laughs) We kind of keep it to ourselves in the midst of the darkness. But that's not what a light is for, is it? A light is to be seen. A light is to be shining forth in the midst of the darkness. And so whatever sphere of life God has called you to or 
geography, wherever you live. There's purpose, there's value, there's a reason why you're there, even if it's a hard place. Because God wants to use your life to reveal his light to others. Our choice is whether or not we'll let him do that. Because we can resist. That we would be open to what he wants to do in and through our lives. And that we'd be looking for the opportunities, even in the midst of the difficulties. I've had various medical things that I, I would prefer have had not had. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. But you know what? When I've had the right perspective, God has given me opportunity to witness to people in the hospital, to the doctors, whoever it is. So he had purpose, even in the pain, to real, reveal light to the darkness in those places. And so may we take Jesus' words to heart. That not only does he declare himself to be the light of the world and all that that means and what a tremendous privilege it is that we get to know him and fellowship with him and, and walk with him, but that also, too, that he's given us the privilege and the purpose and the opportunities to shine for him in this dark world so that those around us that are in the darkness that they too will see that salvation is found in Him. It's a beautiful thing. If you've ever had the opportunity to lead someone to Christ, it is such a privilege. May you all experience it at least once, but many, many times more. God willing. I've been surprised sometimes where I've shared with someone and asked them if they wanted to receive Christ, and I was sure they were going to say no. And they embrace Jesus. Oh, me of little faith. <laughs> and to see that transaction take place and to be a part of it. Be encouraged. You serve a great God. Jesus, the light of the world, desires to walk with you in intimate fellowship in this life. Yep. And so too, he wants to also use your life to impact others. Let me pray for you and myself.